morning. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day it speaks out. Night after night it reveals his greatness. There is actually no speech or word, nor is his voice literally heard. Yet, its voice echoes throughout the earth. Its words carry to the distant. These words carry to the distant horizon. To the horizon. To the horizon. In the sky, he has pitched a tent for the sun. And like a bridegroom, it emerges from its chamber like a strong man it enjoys running its course it emerges from the distant horizon and it goes from one end of the sky to the other nothing can escape its heat the royal law of God is perfect set down by the Lord are reliable and they impart wisdom to the inexperienced the Lord's precepts are fair and they make one joyful the Lord's commands are pure and they give insight to life the command to fear the Lord are right forever the judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and are absolutely just God's judgments are greater than gold even a great amount of pure gold they bring greater delight than the honey even the sweetest honey from the honeycomb Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey the Lord will receive a rich reward. Who can know all of his errors? Please do not punish me for sins that I am not even aware of. Moreover, Lord, keep us from committing flagrant sins. Do not allow such sins to control us. Then we will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. May me, you can say this to the Lord with me, but may my thoughts, may my words, Lord, may my words and my thoughts acceptable in your sight. Lord, make our words and our thoughts acceptable before you. 
Because, Lord, you're our sheltering rock. You're the one who covers us. You're our protector. You're our satisfier. You're our redeemer. You're our reconciler. We give you thanks for redeeming our soul from the pit, Lord. Have your way this morning with us, Lord. May you be glorified. May you be honored for who you are. Holy Spirit, have your way in this in this room this morning. We invite you.
victories and all our defeats and we give you all the precious gifts that you gave and we give you our hearts and our souls and our minds and we give you our praise Oh God, we give you a 
sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise. Oh, and we give you, we give you, can you smell it? Can you smell it? This incense, can you smell it? Oh, God. Shake off all these things that weigh us down. 
Faithfulness, great. 
never leave us, you never forsake us. Great is thy faithfulness. You are always there. You are always there. You are always there. Great is thy goodness. And great is thy faithfulness. Oh, the world, the world doesn't know. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, King of eternity. blood goes to the very bottom how deep your blood goes oh come and go deeper If our hearts had hands, they would clap the sound in rhythm with your heart and ours.
wave the banner of grace on the sunrise his mercy waits and from the north i can feel his winds and through his goodness i am whole again deep and wide his love is never failing and he opens his arms for us to come running sunrise his mercy waits and from the north i can feel his wind and through his goodness i am whole again deep and wide his love is never
tree you showed your love you spread out a while and the kingdom flowed you love us so you love us so how great how great is your love what is man what is man oh how great how great is your love Sit 
Four living creatures and the elders around his throne, never ceasing from their call, giving worship to the Holy One. On their faces they bow low. Then the cloud and the glory of the Lord fills the room, and they sing in one accord. Hallelujah, hallelujah to the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah to the King. church below begins to lift a holy song as they seek the Lord of heaven on their knees and the creatures and the elders and the angels listen in and they marvel at how we worship him the heavens open up Directed by the King, and all of heaven worships Him with the redeemed. And we're singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah to the King. Oh, Hallelujah, Hallelujah to the
you're dealing with any kind of physical sickness or physical issue if you if you want to raise your hand anybody that's having issues in their physical body raise your hand high if you see someone with their raise their hand raised and your hands not raised go go to them and uh and let's just pray over each other this morning anybody raise your hand kind of high okay if you're dealing uh, brad in the back any physical issues, if you raise your hand so we can pray. I just want you to go touch a person or pray for them. Lord, we just come to you right now for healing in this room or for physical issues. Just pray for your healing touch, Lord. You know, minister to your saints, Lord. Touch the bodies that are in this room or any kind of physical needs, Lord, that we have represented. I pray for it. kind of pain, physical pain. The Lord just keeps telling me, he's like, I want to bring some healing right now. I just want you to just be touched by the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just receive your healing right now. room like physical uh, needs with uh, joints and Lord I just pray right now for your oil to just flow Lord in those places where they have lubrication or in the joints where I just pray right now Lord that the 
that you wouldn't just numb the pain, Lord, but we just pray for your healing. Lord, for like extreme headaches, Lord, it just hurts so bad in, in, in the, in, from headaches, Lord, I just pray right now you just bring a touch, Lord. Touch those who are dealing with headaches or sinus pain in their, in their, in their head, Lord. I just pray you bring relief right now for healing, Lord, for Lord, whatever needs that are presented here this morning, Lord, we just pray and thank you for healing that so gentle, Lord, and just pray you just course through those physical needs, Lord. set our full dependency on you. touching you right now. He took a spear in his side to heal your side. To heal you right now. I'm trusted in so many things, Lord, but I place my full confidence in you right now. to you because I want to encourage you in in regards to the touch of the Lord in your life. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 it says, Now when God made his promise to Abraham since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying Surely I will bless you. And greatly greatly and multiply your descendants abundantly and by persevering Abraham inherited the promise 
for people swear by something greater than themselves. And an oath serves as a confirmation to end all disputes. In the same way, God wanted to demonstrate more clearly to the heirs of the promise, which are you, that his purpose is unchangeable. God's promise to you is unchangeable. And when you feel like in yourself that it looks like this is not going to happen or it's not coming through, there's an iron that goes into your soul like happened with Joseph and this spoke of in Psalms 105 when he was in the prison. He said he was in chains and in irons until the time that was appointed for him. And says that iron went into his soul. It's this thing of unchangeableness. It's this resolve. It's this strength inside of your soul. Paul called it might in the inner man. That iron would go into your soul that God is unchangeable. That his ways are true. Now everything may be trying to tell you that it's not. That, and that maybe he's not. But the Lord wants you to know that when he gives you a promise, you can take it all the way. He's unchangeable. He is Yesterday, today, he is forever. And even if the world was to pass away and the heavens were to be dissolved, his word, it will never change. When God speaks to you, and he says, I gave you this promise, he will fulfill his word to you. Corinthians it says we say that he is the yes and the amen see first in the promise we say yes but in the oath we say amen and as we say amen the glory of God moves through us and I say amen I say amen. I say you're unchangeable, Lord. And I say you're perfect in your ways. And I say I trust your word. That we trust your word.
fire of God, fire of God, fire, fire. Burn it, Jesus, burn up. Burn up everything that hinders love, Lord. We're your beloved, Lord. You own for us, Lord. You're the yes and the amen. Yes, we've received your promises, but we enact an oath and say, Amen. You're unchangeable. say to you we can sing for joy a shout to tell us die it is finished at the cross he's accomplished all God wants to demonstrate to you that he is unchangeable so he intervened it with an oath so that you and I that goes and finds refuge in him may find strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us the hope that will not disappoint I throw off all my despair I throw off all depression because this is the hope that he says by two unchangeable things a promise and an oath it's impossible for God to lie to you he cannot lie and this becomes your anchor of the soul the sure and steadfast which reaches in behind the curtain with the glory, the glory of the brightness, brighter than the sun and the moon, the glory of the living one, the glory that we will and are beholding in the end of the sage. forerunner stands forever
Amen. to say this um, at the point of crossing in for your miracle or what the Lord has for you however that looks the promise he gave you um, one of the back out questions that kind of happens in the garden member first question God says is where are you and the next question is, is who told you you were naked and when you're coming in to this place of the oath because you have a promise from God the who told you are naked question begins to come up because There's things that we trust in and we just have to like, you just have to set them aside. You know, the Lord's like, don't put your fig leaf back on. Don't you put that thing back on. Don't, don't cover yourself up again with something else that you trust in. God, I believe you. However, I need this thing. Um, you won't go in with it. The only way you can go in is... Your whole self is open before him. And a lot of times that feels very uncomfortable. And, and let me tell you this, because some of you have come up at this place many times that what you can do is form a block. And the Lord's telling me this. He's communicating to me to tell you this. You form a disconnect there because you've been there so many times, but you've been so disappointed so many times coming up to that place. So what you do is you disconnect in your mind so you don't have to face the reality again and again and again. And you can make a disconnection. And we do these, we do these things whether we realize it or not. Some of it is we don't realize we're doing it. Sometimes you can notice it because if someone says something to you and it challenges you and you push back real fast, you can know that you're probably building a wall. Or if you're real short or you cut real fast or someone's tried to be gentle with you but you come back really quick, you've built a wall somewhere. Or if you don't come back real fast and you cut back, you could become very sort of aloof and go off into isolationism and just try to disconnect from reality like that instead of aggressively like, and, and I want to encourage you on the other side of this, hey, I, my wife and I have seen this demonstrated many times in our marriage, but also in our life. And it's like, no, stop it. Or I'm just going to go in despair, disconnect and become apathetic or cynical. And I, I just want to encourage you from the spirit of God to, to try to go there again. 
And no, Carol, I've done this so many times. He's not going to come through for me. Uh, let your heart trust again. There's many people that sit in God's house and they they don't allow this to happen. And what it does is it lets the flame die down in your soul. And, you, and you're not getting the victories and the testimonies. And you have to say yes. I, no one can do this for you. I can't. And if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, a lot of times he'll say, you know, you're trusting in da, 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 da. And he'll say, let me have it. And we want to hold on to those things. You know, it could be your, it could be your, um, the way you're viewed by others. I, I don't know what it is for each one of us, but I, I ask you to be very sensitive to him. And what he'll do is he'll say, let me have that. And he's real kind about it. He won't force himself on you, but just say, let me have that. And um, uh, for some of us, we need a good popping. Like for me, I usually have to be knocked to be able to, ah, you know, let me have that. And it'll seem sometimes that it goes very much against the very promise God made to you. Like it'll seem like it's the opposite of what he said. If you find yourself bristling or you find yourself in apathy, like, oh, I, I'm going to go, you know, I know what to do. I'll go shop. I know I'll, I'll Netflix binge. I don't know what, I don't know what people do. Um, I'll go work harder. You know, if I could just get out of this uncomfortable space. And at the point, at that place is usually the Lord. Now I have found all of his blessing on the other side of that. Every time. Every time. And I'm not going to turn left. I'm not going to turn right. And I want to ask you to reconsider some things in your life. Just to consider, because he's so gentle, that maybe he's trying to get through to you about something. And maybe it's a blind spot. Just maybe. And maybe he's wanting to give you a victory. And maybe because the way God works... Maybe God's not into self-pity and self-loathing. And maybe God's not into control and making it, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. Just maybe the Lord's into rest of trusting Him. And maybe what He wants you to do is just set your eyes on Him. And I'm just saying this morning from Him to you, give Him another go. And push on through Claim the victory that Jesus paid for for your life. Come on now. Because, yeah, but, yeah, but, stop that. Don't put your fig leaf back on. Now, you're going to feel very awkward. I'm just going to tell you, I've done this a lot. It's very awkward. Especially when you hit the where are you question because you feel dislocated and you feel sort of floating in space and it's very awkward. I don't know if you have me, Lord. Wait for him. Wait for him. Wait for him. For the Lord will deliver. 
and um, he will come through. He'll do this in many different areas of your life, but I just, I want you to take the promise that he's given you. I want you to not let go of it. But it's more than me as saying this to you. It's the Spirit of God saying this to you through me because he tells me, especially this one thing, I hit that wall again, I'm just going to disconnect and whatever, to block it, block it. Don't block it. Janie said something in the Thursday prayer meeting the week before last. She says, some of us need to grieve. Don't get into denial. Just let your heart grieve if it needs to. Don't get into anti-emotions. God's into emotions. Don't, don't throw your emotions out. Like I got I've done this for, I did this. I thought the Lord, what he wanted from me was grit your teeth and bear it. No, the more I did that, the more I was fighting him. The best thing to do is relax. And if the tears flow or the laughter comes, either way, whatever emotion comes on you, let it be. It's okay. Or if the anger comes and you have to point a finger at him and tell him, you let me down again, then do it. Say it to him. He already knows it's in your heart. Just say it to him. Get it out. Get the stuff out. And then you're, I'm telling you, when you do, on the other side of that is, it said there's a blessing there. I need to let go of some things. And this morning, let it go. Take your fig leaves off. Just trust the Lord. And you know he'll meet you every day in every way. He'll meet you with your family. He'll meet you in your finance. He'll meet you with your friends. He'll meet you in your health. He'll take care of you, but just you can look at him and let him let him handle the things for you. Be encouraged. The Lord says this. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer is another translation. For I have overcome the world. Everything you're overcoming, he's overcoming. And if he can do it, so can you. Right? I mean, we're going to take a morning uh, offering. Lord, I just bless this house. I, I bless all the creative arts. I bless all the business. I bless all the ministries. I pray for great um, blessing in our ability to give and to be a blessing to others. Lord, bless everyone as they give. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. In my soul as a well that you've dug cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had one sat down, a ancient of days. Walk again in the garden of my soul. Mm-hmm. Oh, nakedness, fear of man cannot hide from your voice split like a veil 
the heavens lay your head down here with us bring us unto your threshing floor where it's you who lives not us If you would, turn with me to Numbers 24-17, and um, I have a lot of material to cover this morning, so we're going to, I'm going to pick up off last week, and I would especially encourage you, if you haven't listened to the series, the Starlink series that we've been in, we did we did seven a seven-part series called Starlink, I, and if, if, you, if you've missed some of those, I will really, really highly recommend that you go into the SoundCloud and get a hold of those and listen to them. Um, there, there's a lot of material there, and um, and it's it's very emblematic for this end times and um, for for your life and the end of this age and the preparation of the return of the Lord. And um, and so, like, let's just, let's just read this Numbers 24, 17. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us in this message and that we could hear him clearly in what he's saying to us, uh, his church, this morning. Starting there again, Numbers 24, 17, Balaam's fourth oracle. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not close at hand. A star will march forth out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the skulls of Moab and the heads of all the sons of Sheath. Edom will be a possession. Seir, his enemies, will also be a possession. But Israel will act valiantly. A ruler will be established from Jacob. He will destroy the remains of the city. Um, Let's pray. Lord, I ask you this morning for a special anointing to preach your word. 
to proclaim what you're saying, what your spirit is saying to the church in the end of this age. I pray that as we enter into this new event horizon, that your word will thrust forth even out of this house and even on the globe. I ask you, Lord, that you would uh, assist me in preaching, that, that I can't do this without you, but I know that your word is powerful and is true. And I ask you for your unction to preach and, and uh, for your anointing. I pray, Lord, that our ears would be open to hear what you're saying to us and that our minds would come to a place of clarity. And I pray everything that is going on in this room would submit to the authority of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, that you would be magnified and glorified, that this, is, this, this word is about you and it's about your coming, your soon coming. Prepare our hearts, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. It took me seven, I mean literally seven weeks to try to get out Numbers 24, 17 out of my mouth. Seven, I, I remember at the very beginning, and I think if you go back and you listen, I'll start to bring out this section. I, I want to really deliver this message, and every week I would say, well, I'm going to build a context. And I, I would go in and you'll hear me. And if you can listen to those seven Starlink series, I'm going to build a context. I'm going to build a context. And then I can lay in the, the thrust of what is really going on in this message from Balaam. And um, last week I was so happy because I was able to do it. And I mean, I was like, I'm getting this word out of my... Get out of the mouth, Lord. And, it, and he came forth, and I, and I felt especially that the Father was with me in the display of his glory related to this coming king. And Stephen and I was talking this week, and he said, um, he said, man, the one thing that the Spirit of God was saying to me while I was worship is, don't toy with this king. That he's sovereign right and sovereign ruler, sovereign over all things. And that right here at the end of the, end of the age, really uh, the dovetail end of the last days into the end time ministries as the Lord begins to raise them up. What do you mean last days, end times? I, I want to say this because I didn't understand this and I was in uh, one of the, go the gospel where Peter's asking Jesus, he's saying to him, he said, uh, speaking of the beloved John, he said, what about that guy right there? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Remember Peter asking the Lord that question? I mean, Pete's going to go on and thunder down some apostolic proclamation to 16 different nations and bring forth the prophetic word of the Lord proclaiming Jesus from a fisherman's uh, degree. <laughs> It didn't have a degree, probably. I mean, you read Acts, what pre Peter preached. I mean, the brilliance and the, the preaching of Peter. I mean, later on, they'll say, you know, these guys have been hanging out with Jesus. Peter and John bringing the gospel forward. Right before this happens, though, he's asking the Lord, like, what about that guy? You know, that guy, that guy that he's kind of, I mean, he's not effeminate. But I mean, you know the guy that puts his ear on your chest? <laughs> that guy? 
I mean, I know that he did. I mean, Peter's like, I'm the one who betrayed you. And he was right there at the cross with your mama. I mean, I know he's not effeminate. I know he's a real, he has real courage. Maybe I didn't, I, I didn't have it. I want courage like that. I was a big mouth. I was talking up a big game. I had my machi, what do you call it? Machismo. Peter with his machi, you know, I'm, you know, I, we're going to get this thing done. And Jesus is like, yeah, not with that attitude. You know, he's like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, that guy, man. But what about that guy? And, and I want to say this because I was sitting before the Lord and I, I was reading this and I said, Lord, I don't understand why. Why did Peter ask you that? And he said, well, Peter's apostolic ministry is really a last days ministry. He was an apostle of like a last or a last days kind of thought process or a last days uh, ministry. He said, but John's ministry is an end time ministry. And because right here at the end times and at last days, you're going to see the Petrine ministry that's for the movement of evangelism. The apostolic preaching will come forth right in the stadiums. The Lord's going to bring in and reap a harvest, but it's going to dovetail into something that's even greater. The Lord wants more constituency. He deserves his inheritance. He deserves the nations. He, he deserves those that are his, yes. He has the ministry to go ahead and give healing, salvation, and deliverance, the soteria. But there's a greater move of God that is even beyond that. He has a greater ministry in this sense, listen, that love, that God's love, that we as the beloved of the Lord, That this, this love of God would so indwell us that we would become one with Him. The end time ministries, and this is one of them, that's being raised up in the earth are going to proclaim this union of God with men. A love so deep that Every satisfaction of the human heart will be met because everything will be found in him. And this love being the quintessence of, of everything in the human heart because God is what? Love. That God would have his resting place in the very soul of man. I, I, last week I presented this thing with Balaam and this was Balaam's fourth oracle. You know the story, I'm sure many of you know the story in Numbers where Balak realized that God's people were coming into the land to inherit it. They were possessing the land and he says, you know what? Man, we're going to lose all our ground. We're losing our ground to those guys. They're coming into the land. They're actually believing the testimony of the Lord. They're saying yes to him. They've got their covenant to heart right with him. They're coming in and possessing the whole entire section of Israel. They had, they had had a southern campaign. They're going in the northern campaign. They're going to take the land, and we're going to lose everything. 
These rogue nations that believe there was seven of them, like the Hittites, the Gerashites, the Gibeonites. I mean, you have all these ites, and they're coming in, and they're dispossessing our property. Balak realizes that. He realizes what's going on. He says, man, I need to talk to the chief prophet. And so he gets a hold of this guy, Balaam, and he says, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll offer him resources so that I can buy him off. And I'll ask him if he'll curse God's people. And if he'll curse God's people, we can get them from being able to possess the land. And so Balaam says, okay. It's just hard to believe, right? That a senior prophet in, a, in the nation that are possessing and taking the land can be bought. Or maybe it's not hard to believe. Maybe it's not hard to believe in this day with the prophetic voices that are in this nation. And I don't need to get up here and say some senior prophetic voices, and I will not call them out by name, that were saying one thing about what was going to happen in the last election cycle, and every one of them almost were wrong. Conservatism-based economic prowess does not necessarily right-based legalism does not necessarily mean that you're loyal to a king an economy the strength of an economy doesn't necessarily listen this is a serious issue it's not just serious in a prophetic voice to this nation. It goes down to every single one of us in our lives right now. You and I are going to be challenged in our economic back pocket like never before so that we will break our allegiance to and our loyalty to a king, to the king. You're going to be challenged. It's going to get real because requirements are going to be made and they're going to seem like and threaten your sense of buying and selling. And Balaam is able, as a senior prophet, who's possessing the land. He, I mean, this guy doesn't even know really what's going on. In some way he does, in another way he doesn't. They're possessing the land. So are we. <laughs> Do you know the demonic powers are falling out of the heavens right now? Because the church is actually beginning... To take a seat, finally the ecclesia, what you see in the news is because we're actually rising right now. I mean, we're actually winning. And the news is trying to show us that we're losing, but we, the remnant bride of God, is winning right now like never before. We are taking the land. And our enemy wants to threaten us with this petty nonsense concerning uh, bellies and food and economics when we are actually receiving the inheritance of the Father. And don't you pay attention to the news. Pay attention to... I mean, the Lord told me a couple weeks, I'm up here. You know, like... And he's... Oh, go to James chapter 2. I think it was verse 19 or so. What, you empty fellow... You want evidence? Did I not tell Abraham to sacrifice his own son on the altar? Get some boldness like that. 
I mean, get some boldness where you're willing to put everything on the line because of one royal sovereign who deserves the right to govern your life. And he has the right to this whole entire nation, every nation of the world, and the whole entire cosmos. And I mean, yeah, I was, you know, like this. You empty fellow. I was like, thanks a lot. <laughs> God will offend the mind to reveal the human heart. Why? Why? You think, you think I'm not going to come through? I'll put a, I'll put a, a ram in the thicket. You think this isn't the way that I do everything, that, that I allow that which is most precious to you to be threatened? No, God would never do that to me. Oh, yes, he would. Because, listen, listen, he wants your heart more than anything. You as an individual, he wants you to say, I want you, Lord, because, listen, you're no, none of us, none of us in this room, none of us, not you on your own two feet, children, adults, you need him and I need him more than my very next breath. I need him more than anything. And, and it's the unknowing of that and it's the, the threat of that that exposes the human heart to say, I mean, who are you going to trust? Listen, Henry has mentioned this morning that some of the people in Afghanistan say, I'm not getting on the plane to be deported. I'm going to stay here. And if I lose my life, I lose my life. But I'm going to go in and advance the gospel. <laughs> I like that. What about some boldness now to aggressively go after what he's doing? Instead of, hold, hold back, hold back, I don't know. What about an advancing church? What about an ecclesia taking ground? Why? All for love. Because love is worth... I mean, as soon as I, I said, Lord, forgive me for being the empty fellow that didn't want to put my family on the line again. And as soon as I said, I repent, fire, hot. I was like, oh! I was like, what am I worried about? And the Lord comes through the very next day for our family in a way that was so remarkable, I can't do it myself all within a moment. Why? Because God wants a burning heart of love to burn hot on us. You're advancing. Don't you back off like Balaam did. I mean, Balaam is the guy that this guy, oh, he said he's the one that was the, you know, I, read, I said this last week, I'll do this and then we're going to get into something else. But son of Beor, son of the burning one. I mean, he was the 24-7 burn guy. His daddy was. His daddy was night and day prayer guy. Balaam's daddy. He said, I've got, I'm an oracle that can have my eyes wide open and see God. I mean, this guy is no joke. He's, he's the one that has the knowledge of El Elyon. Think about, think about that. I mean, most people don't even know when I say El Elyon what El Elyon is. He has a cosmological understanding of God. He knows the God above the house of God. He's like an El Bethel guy. He's not just a Bethel guy. <laughs> he knows the God of the house of God. He's the one that sees visions from the Almighty. He's the one that can fall flat on the ground with his eyes wide open and have a trance experience with God. 
Balaam's this guy. We don't, I mean, we hardly have any kind of trance-level prophets like that in our nations anymore. And yet he can be bought. If this is not an indictment or warning to all of us, let it be one. I'm going to curse Israel. Lord, can I curse Israel? No. Second time. Lord, can I curse Israel? No. I like those people. Lord, third time. Can I curse Israel? Go ahead. Do it. And then you know the story. Balaam's donkey. Angel gets sent away. The donkey has to talk to him because the guy, he has a strong prophetic ministry, but he can't make sense of this because he's stimulated by something else that's got a hold of him. His livelihood's more important to him than the Lord. Man, this will be tested in every single one of your lives and every single soul on every sing- in every single nation of the planet before the Lord returns. You will have to make a decision. Will I be loyal to this king or will I break loyalty to him? And it will result in the mark. Balaam now, fourth time, prophesies the first and second advent of the coming king. I see him. First advent, I believe. The Lord showed me this this week. I've been asking him. But not now. Second advent. You know, he, he's having an experience of God, Jesus' first coming and a second coming. You know what he does after this oracle, and this oracle is powerful. Listen to Starlink 7. He tells Balak, man, I can't curse him. I can't even get it out of my mouth. I'm trying to, but the Lord keeps putting it in my mouth to bless him. He said, but I'll tell you how we can get him cursed. Get him, get him into immorality. And get him eating food sacrificed to idols. Uh, we were doing devotions yesterday with the kids, and they're like, Kara brought up the point. Okay, how do we apply food sacrifice to idols today? I mean, we kind of know the immoral thing, but and I have mentioned adultery first, because the way I deal with, like, AI in the Bible, which means place of ruins, I, I don't know if you all know that story of AI when they come in to possess the land, but I, I use AI like this, not artificial intelligence, but adultery and idolatry. It's the place of ruins. The adulterated heart to seek after beauty apart from the beautiful God. The idolatrous heart to seek after a false wisdom or finance apart from the likeness of God. AI. Adultery and idolatry. It means literally the place of ruins. And the kids were asking, like, what about Kara brought up the point? How do we apply this? And I I brought out the point. We're going to delve into this this morning. Balaam's basically saying to to, to Balak... The only way to really get God's people, get them into immorality or get them into idolatry and the Lord himself will turn on them. uh, Stephen brought this out at our our lunch uh, this week. He said, in some way, Balaam was showing Balak how to get control or supposed control. You can't control God of using God's principles against God's people. How to put God in a box, sort of, where God's got to act according to his own word 
against God's people. And, 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 and the kids are like, you know, immorality. I'm like, listen, that's homosexuality. That's adultery. That's fornication. That's every kind of lewd act. That's, that involves pornography. That involves taking the second look. That involves the lust of the human heart. I mean, it involves all of that. You want to get God to come and turn on God's people, his own people. Get them into that. Is not our enemy running rampant with this stuff in, in the nations. Listen, hear the word of the Lord. Safe up your eyes. Safe up your, get your eyes on the beautiful God. The uncreated beautiful one and it, those things cannot compete. Do not, do not, I say this again, do not be swayed and pulled in by that. It is damage and rottenness to you. It will destroy your life. It will, brings God's discipline. Number two here with idolatry. Kids like food sacrifice to idols, how does that work? There are some kind of thing going on with some Islam where they're, from what I understand, where they were doing this and bringing it into some of our supermarkets, they were bringing in food that is literally sacrificed to idols to try to get us in this nation to eat food, sac literally sacrificed to idols. But even more so, food sacrificed to idols, listen, is to, we talked about this, is to engage in business. Or the way you get your finances with a compromised heart. It's to work angles and corners into your integrity related to business ethics and financial matters. So it's bad business practices if you want to use that kind of... It's kind of like this. If you do this, which is a compromise in your consciousness, you can have that. You're compromising your value system to get the dollar. And this idolatry is, I mean, enmeshed into our nation everywhere. Even so much so that people are not just, they're just openly perjuring, committing acts of lies in relation. But don't just look at all these political pundits that do this. Look at your own soul. Ask yourself, am I clear before you, Lord? Am I trying to work an angle in finance? I mean, ask the Lord. And be careful, even down to a penny. Be careful the way that you handle things and that you do not compromise your heart because you're concerned about how you'll get your bread. Don't compromise your truth before the Lord because this is what, you know, Austin Harris is up here. Give us the fear of the Lord because he sees he knows what the left and the right hand's doing. Maybe you're not supposed to tell anybody, but he knows. The Lord knows everything. I finished uh, last week, Numbers 24, 17, and you're going to see how this all connects. Tuesday, Janie McManus, we, we have lunch with McManus's over 
their house, and Karen and I do. And, and at the end of our lunchtime, she brings me up this little white stone. It has a cross in it. And she said, this is from Iona, Scotland. And I said, I'm going to put this in a safe place because I don't know what the kids, if they see the white stone, they'll become, you know, I don't know where the thing will go. And it's really special. And Wednesday night, the Lord says, pay attention to that white stone. It's really special. Thursday morning, I'm before the Lord again. I'm just waiting on the Lord. And he said, remember that? He said to me, like, I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1. And I want to take us there and then. I want to share this in context, and then I want to break out today the restoration of uh, David's fallen booth in the end of the age. But before we go there, because context, all text is pretext without a context. And I, I learned this being married, you know, you can't just jump into something. You've got to give a context sometimes. You know, sometimes you got to paint a picture before you can really get after what you're wanting. Now, Kara sometimes will say, get to the point. You know, and I'm like, well, I thought you wanted a context. You know, but she sort of gets to the point faster than I do sometimes. So she, maybe she didn't want a context. I have to ask her sometimes. Depends on what's going on. You, do you need a context or do you not need one? Because the context sometimes can take longer than the actual text. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean, right? You ever had to do communication and stuff? <laughs> Revelation 1:16. he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword extending out of his mouth. His face shone like the sun shining at full strength. And when I saw him, I fell down. Thank you, Tom. I, I fell down at his feet as though I were dead. But he placed his right hand on me and said, Hey, little guy, don't be afraid. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I just, that is Carol's version. I am the first and the last. I am the one who lives. I was dead. But look. Oh, man. Now I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you saw, what is and what will be after these things. So what is now and what is coming? The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. It's interesting. My translation says, is this, but in proper, our English, we'd say, are this. But anyways, I don't know if it's plural. Anyways, is this. My kids will be like, go. Grammar's off, you know. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. And I'm, I'm sitting there before the Lord, and he said, how many star links did you do? And I was like, seven. That's what you said. You said today would start event horizon. Right, seven. How many stars are there? I was like, In my right hand, I said seven. Now, there, and I'm not going to get into this this morning, but... There's a question whether or not this word here, angels of the seven churches, is actually the apostolic overseer of that church or if it's an angel. Because the translation is like messenger. And uh, I don't have the answer for that. But just the Lord says these seven starlink, seven churches. 
And he said, what did Janie give you? And I said, a white stone. He said, you ever seen that in Revelation? And I was like, yeah. So look, look with me for Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Now, you got to pay attention because you're going to really like this. I believe this is going to be an eye-opener for you. It was for me. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, the angel of the church in Pergamum write the following. This is a solemn pronouncement of the one who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Yet you continue to cling to my name and you have not denied your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed in your city where Satan lives. Antipas was the uh, bishop of Pergamum. And um, Donnie Peace was telling me yesterday they put him inside a bull and have oil and, and basically cooked him to death. And you yeah, might be thinking, like, that's really bad and everything. The guy was martyred. But what is God, what is being said here? Hey, when your leader, the guy that was running the church there in Pergamon was bowled alive, you guys didn't back off. I mean, you think COVID's a problem. Think about your leadership being bowled alive and you're going to show back up. I mean, this is what's going on there. He's saying, listen, you're the kind of faithful followers. I mean, you think about that in this house. Think about Stephen and I being bold alive. Just think about it for five seconds. And then think that they do that right out here outside. And they, they bowl us alive because they say, we're not going to listen to this in our city anymore. You watch uh, Jennifer and Kara and all the kids and they're crying. Everybody's crying. You're going to back off. He's saying, you didn't back off. This can get real. I mean, James was the apostle of the Jerusalem church. They beheaded him. There's come, there, there may come a day when the, the leadership, the leadership of God's house are being taken out. And he's saying, you were faithful. It wasn't like, oh, I'm afraid I might get sick from COVID. This weak sauce. Sorry. It came out of my mouth. Don't be weak. Don't be strong in the Lord. They, they killed. They're killing. They're killing God's leadership. And these people are saying, I'm going for the Lord. And maybe it made them, maybe it emboldened them. You take out our leadership, and we'll get even more doubly fiery for God because we know you're turning against us. Don't get weak in your soul. Don't back off. You were doing this in the midst of where Satan set up his government. <laughs> I mean, think Lucifer is like, I'm going to hang out here. Lucifer is not an omnipresent being. Lucifer's saying, this is the place I really like to hang out. I, I, I'm running the show in this city. These people, they said, man, even, even in Antipas, even, if, even when he was killed, 
My faithful witness, the Lord says, my martyr, we're not backing off. We did not deny the faith. We'll keep on coming in and having events for the Lord. We'll keep on praising Him in the middle of this city. We will not relent, right? We don't know pressure like that yet. But it's coming. And you might as well go ahead and have your heart marked. And I'm not playing games. This sissy-fied thing, man. Let us not be like that. I have a few things against you, though, however. Listen to the word of the Lord. You have some people there that are following the teaching of who? Balaam. Who instructed Balak to put a stumbling block before God's people. You mean to tell me that you can have a far hot, burning one, 24-7, night and day prayer, son of Beor Christian, who's still being bought by a Balaam and Balak mentality? Yes. It can still be bought. Folks, hear this out. Because this becomes a stumbling block for the return of God's remnant. We must be a kind of people. We cannot be bought. We cannot be purchased. We've already been purchased. We've already been bought. And something deep down inside, right here at the end of the age. And I, I believe the Lord raised up the end time leadership. And I know that the end time leadership had to be tested in all this. Yeah. Will you move off your position before me when I bring all kinds of pressures against you and struggle and everything? Will you stay the course? Because this is going to get harder. It's not going to just be your finances. It will possibly cost you your life. So be it. And so he says that they would eat food sacrificed to idols. Take a vaccine or you can't buy or sell or travel. Hear me. It's not the mark, but it's the compliance that will lead to one. And get them into sexual immorality. Some of you, he says here, are practicing these things. He says, in the same way, also, there are those that you are following the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Nico means victory. Latian means laity. It was an ideology that the leadership somehow had victory over the laity and was using the laity for their own good. This is kind of the part of the doctrinal understanding of Nicolaitan spirit. It was basically propping the, the leadership, propping themselves up in some way or other people utilizing, even within the church, utilizing others for their own benefit. The Lord does not like that. The Lord made you a giver. He didn't make you to use other people. Therefore, repent, right? And man, we... I mean, I've had to repent so much. So I, this isn't like... What I'm saying to you isn't like, oh, well, you're up there saying that you, like you know better or you're better than us. No, I'm not. No, this is pressure real to me. I understand. 
I've had to tell the Lord I'm sorry a lot. I've had to tell him I got my eyes on the wrong thing many times. I've had to have my heart redirected almost daily. Lord, I got my heart wrong. I was focusing on the wrong thing. Let my heart burn for you, yes, but let me not move off my loyalty to you as king, right? This isn't like I'm standing up here telling you. I'm telling you I've had to repent myself. And I love him. But he's exposing the human heart right now like never before. He said, if not, if you don't repent, I'm going to come against you quickly. And I'll make war against those people with the sword of my mouth. Now, he says, the one who has an ear, let it, he better hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Now, I like this part. To the one who conquers. To the one who overcomes the Nicolaitan spirit. To the one who overcomes the Balaam-Balak conundrum. Listen to what he does. He says, I'll give you the hidden manna. I'll give you the hidden, what is it? Where'd that come from? There's a turkey just showed up. Now. Well, I have turkey dinner. <laughs> well, he just dropped some food out of the sky. I didn't know how we were going to eat. You know, whatever. I'll give you the hidden. I'll do this thing in the secret. I'll take care of you. Don't you worry about it. I'll give you hidden manna. I'll give you revelation. Uh, where you know where the coin in the fish's mouth is so you can go pay your taxes. I'll give you something hidden that no man knows. But I'll also give you a white stone. And Thursday I was sitting there before the Lord and I was like, Ah! <laughs> And the Lord said to me, he said, you know about five-star generals. I was like, well, I know those kind of theater five-star generals. We have them in the Pentagon, and sometimes they'll put them in, they'll put them out in big, big theaters. Four stars are generally the highest ranking that you'll see. He said, what about seven stars? He's like, I hold seven stars in my right hand. I was like, oh, you're like a seven star. <laughs> it's like, we don't even know what that is. He said, I'll give a white stone written on it a new name that no man knoweth ex or understand except the one who receives it. And I'm not going to go into all that. But a revelation came to me, and it was special. And thank you, Jamie. And the Lord spoke to me because this house, since we began in 2010, has had to qualify through all seven churches. And we just finished our seventh overcoming. And I was so thrilled Sunday because he had told me I can't qualify this end time ministry unless you pass every overcoming church. And that was the last one. And I never had an experience with the Lord related to a white stone until this week. And I knew that this house had been qualified, qualified to advance, qualified that we would Laodicea, that we wouldn't be lukewarm, Sardis, or, you know, give a crown, uh, Philadelphia, you know, all the different aspects, now Pergamon. And I don't know if y'all know this, but Pergamon altar was moved out of Turkey in 1930 to Berlin, Germany. It was completely re-erected and put into a museum. 
It was later on that, I think his name's Albert Speer. Is that right, Manny? Albert Speer would construct the Pergamum altar and it would become the Nuremberg. At Nuremberg is the place where Hitler would descend down in September of every year to conduct their great festival and bring forth the final solution. It was also used and constructed in 2008 at the DNC when Obama, Barack Obama became the President of the United States. They would construct a Pergamum altar. There's other events related to that altar, but suffice it to say that unless a Melchizedek order had overcome Satan's throne, we never would have been whole because the MZO and the NWO will go head to head in the end of the hour. And we know who's already won this victory, our king. Jesus would have us pledge loyalty to him, right? And we would be challenged. And you may be challenged daily in your life. That Balaam and the way of Balak would not get into us. I believe that when you overcome, you overcome. I don't believe you got to go re-overcome. I'm, I'm not like that. I, I believe when the Lord does something in the human soul, it's done. Now that I have my context laid, I want to move into Amos 9-11, and I want to talk about the restoration of David's fallen booth in the end of the age. Because today starts, like what I said, the Event Horizon series. And I, I said, the Lord, I don't understand this. And so I went and looked up Event Horizon because we're moving out of the Starlink into Event Horizon. And I found out that Event Horizon means the point of no return. Stephen, he laughed at me when I told him that. He said, I thought we'd been there many times. <laughs> You know how it feels sometimes when you feel like you've run the gamut for the Lord and jumped the verge, that you forged ahead and leapt off into non-space, into the uncreated God again. And then the Lord finally says, Okay, now you okay, okay, you thought, okay, you thought that was okay, nope, you thought that was like really leaning in. No, you, oh no, you thought that was, you thought you really trusted me. No, 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 uh, come again, come again. Okay. Oh no, oh you thought that was when you really trusted me. You're like, no, I remember that time when I went all in for the Lord. And he's like, well, sort of. <laughs> I mean, you sort of did. But I see some other stuff that challenging your loyalty to me. I can see it. The devil can too. And all his imps. Let's run another uh, check on you. That's right. And then you finally get to Event Horizon. Okay, you finally hit the point of no return. I was kind of excited about it. You know, is it because this is where we walk on water and fly. Because <laughs> it's like, what else are you going to do? And so I was sitting on my, the edge of my bed, and I was praying. I said, Lord, 
And this is before the whole understanding of the Starlink came together. It was before last Sunday's event. I'm sitting down and I said, Lord, I really need to understand. Um, I, I'd like to understand what's going on in this end hour. And I come across this, this section, and I'm going to read some of this for you because I want you to get this understanding. Because, listen, I, and I need to say this, I'll try to say this with as much clarity as I possibly can. A lot of people view the book of Revelation as this troublesome tribulation, we're all going to die, everything's terrible, you might as well give up, throw in the towel, it's terrible. But the Revelation is about Jesus. You're, you're not going to care so much about your life. Revelation chapter 12 says that clearly. They say you won't love your life to the death. I don't think the, the thrust behind the revelation is so much about the tribulation. I think the thrust behind revelation is Jesus. It's beholding his beauty and glory. And it's the restoration of the bride back to him, his people. His expanded kingdom, his expanded people all through the nations that are his. It's a love story. I have a wife that'll fight you for love. I didn't understand her at first when I when she had to go toe to toe with me. Because I you know, I thought that you should just be compliant, you know, or quiet if you got into an argument. But my wife, she'll go toe to toe with you for love. She'll stand you off. <laughs> you know, love, love, is, love requires, uh, she said this to me before, you better be glad that I'm not being apathetic. Because I could just let you go, you rascal. You hurt my feelings again. But the fact that I'll come up and sign up for love again, you should be happy about that. And I didn't really understand that. Why she'd get in my face. But see, the book of Revelation is like that. It's like I'll hold my loyalty to the point I'll get in your face because I do love. I didn't understand that. I thought love was a little bit loosey-goosey and sort of weird, and I didn't really like the word. And You know, I didn't know it was confrontational. <laughs> Revelation is about a confrontation. Because of a great God who loves. He's not releasing bowls and trumpets and seals because he doesn't love. He's releasing them because he does love. You know, the scripture says that the judgments of God, they're good. You want the Lord's judgment. You don't, he's not going to punish you. He's going to discipline you. You want him to say this isn't right and that is. You, we need him to do that because of injustices. The world's filled with injustice right now. You want him to come and set it right. And you want him to set it right inside of you first. John 3 says it. He says, those that are of the light will come to the light so that their deeds may be reproved. Those that are not of the light will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. When you, when you desire light to come into your life and you're not hiding from anything, you want light to come in. You can know that you're of the light. That's actually how I know, usually know, 
someone's walking in a Christian life is that they're asking for exposure. I mean, I love it. Stephen brought this up years ago. He's like the woman at the well. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did wrong. <laughs> I was like, who, said, who does that? It's like, don't tell anybody what I did. You know, I had confession. Leave it there. <laughs> you know, please don't. T- Come and see him. He told me I did, I'd been with five men. And I mean, he told me all kinds of things I did wrong. I'm so excited. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you, woman? We have got to go see this man. <laughs> Who gets excited about being exposed? And so God is looking in this hour of bringing forth light and exposure because his revelation is to bring forth judgment, to expose that which is not like him and to bring forth what is. And in the middle of this is this prophecy that was given um, in Amos 9-11. And I want us to look at that this morning. I'm not going to spend all your time on it today, but we're just going to look at it this morning as an introduction to it. And then next week, I'm going to pick up more and expand into the tabernacle of David and the raising up of the human soul, Uh, the human soul being restored in the end of the age before the Lord breaks open the uh, splits the eastern sky. Amos 9, the restoration of the Davidic dynasty or the, the Davidic monarchy, Amos 9:11. In that day, I will rebuild the collapsing hut of David. I will seal its gaps, repair its ruins. I will restore it to what it was like in the days gone by. As a result, they will conquer what is left in Edom. Um, in a few weeks, I'll be beginning to start into Obadiah, and we're going to be looking at Obadiah and the Edomites, and how it relates to the United States of America. But we we can't get into that today. But they will conquer those left in Edom, and all the nations will be subject to my rule. Uh, The Lord who is about to do this, Amos said, is speaking. Uh, He's wanting to make it clear, this isn't me speaking. The Lord's saying a Davidic dynasty is coming. A Davidic monarchy is coming on the earth. And I'm going to get ready this fallen booth of David. To be sure of this, the time is coming, says the Lord, that the plowman will catch up to the reaper, and the one who stomps the grapes will overtake the planter. Juice will run down the slopes, and it will flow on all the hillsides. And I will bring back my people Israel, and they will rebuild the cities that were left in rubble They will settle down. They will plant vineyards and drink the wine they produce, and they will grow orchards and eat the food they, the fruit they produce. I will plant them in the land, and listen, they will never again be uprooted from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. This key passage, this, and I'm reading this to you, but because I found this in the right. Sheds light on, get this, Numbers 24, 14 through 19, which I started out with you, the oracle of Balaam. So Amos's prophetic ministry took place in the middle of the 8th century B.C. If Moses wrote Torah about 1400 B.C., then Amos wrote about six and a half centuries later. 
So his perspective, and this is really important that you hear this, was decidedly post-Davidic. Why is that important? Because he's not prophesying about David as king and the tabernacle of David pre-David. He's prophesying about something that will happen post-David. Okay, and that, that needs, because Amos is after David. He's not before David. So, and this message that he prophesies is essentially judgment, which I didn't read that part to you in earlier Amos 9. At the close of the book, however, despite its overall um, message of judgment, there's a prophecy of hope that's added. Notice what date it's on, 9-11. The offer of consolation looks ahead to an eschatological period. Carol, what is eschatology? End times. When the Davidic dynasty would no longer be functioning. Amos promises that God will raise up the fallen booth of David. This is not just a promise of a restored dynasty, but it's the coming of the son of David, the messianic king. And I, I believe this guy is Walter Kaiser because he was my seminary I went to. I think this is him. I uh, was the president of Gordon-Conwell for a while. He argues, because he's, he's an Old Testament scholar, he argues that interpretation of this passage rests on the suffixes of three words in Amos 9-11, although they're not usually translated literally. This is, if you take notes, if you're taking notes with me this morning, I, I really want to highlight this, and then we'll build off of this uh, in the weeks to come. He takes these phrases, the suffixes of these phrases, and he puts an emphasis on them, and listen to this in Amos 9-11, his ruins in the masculine singular suffix. Next, he puts an emphasis on the broken places with his emphasis on the feminine plural. And then thirdly, he says he will build it or build it and its emphasis on the feminine singular suffix. So again, you have his ruins, masculine singular, broken places, feminine plural. And he will build it or build it feminine singular. He writes that God will unite the nation once again under the messianic king. The masculine singular, his ruins, refers to David's particular line, himself. Let me just digress for a moment. Jesus has no ruins about about himself, right? Because we know in Hebrews that he is what? Without what? Sin. And I believe when I was sitting on the edge of my bed and this download comes to me because the Lord's going to give me a context for what I was getting into last week with you, Numbers 24, 17, this oracle that will come forth out of Amos 9 of David's fallen booth, that his ruins, I believe, refers to a Davidic company of people in the end of the age. Remember, it, it says this idea that we would have a heart like who? How many, right, a heart like who? David. That the Lord is bringing about, has been bringing about a reformation from the 1600s under Luther 
headed west to bring forth a restoration headed east where we're beholding the very face of God. And in the beholding of the face of God, the ruinness of the human heart that had had a divided loyalty to the Lord is being restored inside of man. That what he's speaking of here, and I believe I can say this clearly from the Lord, that David's fallen booth is inside of men. That David's fallen booth is the soul of men. You know that God, it says this, I don't dwell in temples, what? Made with man's what? When the Lord created you in the original, and he says it is good, he created a soul that he could come and dwell in. And I believe, and I believe if, if you do your homework with me in this, and some of you have all kinds of points you can make with this, when we are talking about the fallen booth of David, we're talking about the raising up of the human soul and the restoration of the human soul back to God. I got some nodding of heads in here. Because the temple cannot be this building. I mean, haven't we all known that? Because every apostolic ministry just went after a building. We know that something's missing. I mean, we know that if they're going to game for something, that something's missing because the Lord's always been after the human soul. The Lord's not been after the buildings made with man's hands. He's been after you. And we know that something's missing when anything else is being proclaimed. This other than that, let's get the big building, the numbers, and the, the finances to show up. The Lord, something's off with that. David's fallen booth, I would suggest to you, and I believe this from the Lord, is inside of you. And it is lo it's lied in a state of ruins. The Lord said this years ago, I remember Daisy brought this up, that we would not have a divided heart, but a Davidic one. And so when he's taking these suffixes and laying them in, the Holy Spirit comes to me and he said, I'm going to lay out a context and strategy for the end times, and I want you to deliver this to my people. First of all, I'm going to deal with David, and let's say the soul itself inside of you, the ruinous places, and restore you from a divided heart into a Davidic heart. Number two, and this speaks to you as the remnant, number two, the feminine plural suffix, their broken places. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually pioneering right now into this understanding with us on the, in this ministry right now for a restored remnant. How many times have I said that? God's going to bring forth a remnant. You're actually in this house right now, the first fruits actually of a remnant that is saying, the ruinous of my soul, God's been dealing with me. I'm done with it. I, I want to see the work of God come into our nation. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and that I've not had some brokenness in me still, not saying that, but I'm after seeing God bring in the broken places. What is the broken places? They, this is the second suffix. He says that what this meant was is that this was the, the divided kingdom. The divided kingdom was what the emphasis was on the feminine plural suffix. And remember, and I've been trying to say this, and I did, 
how Rehoboam and Jeroboam split after Solomon. There's that divided kingdom in this nation today and the nations of the world. And uh, Stephen, you come on forward, but uh, the Lord's raising up a company that will advance in first, like you, who have been dealt with by the Lord, maybe some of us severely, from the ruinness of our life and being brought together so God could unite a remnant, both the scepter and the birthright, both Judah and Israel, and bring forth a covenant loyal people to himself. Let's stand together. Why is this important? Because God wants to give you a context. He especially wants us encouraged here in this house as we, as we, I believe many of us have said, you know what, I've been through the wilderness. Many of you in here have been in exile for years. And you've probably questioned in your mind, like I have, what are you doing? This is a mess. But yet, you know, something inside of your heart is saying, I, I pledge my faith to you. I pledge my loyalty to you. And I, come hell or high water, I stand with the Lord. Your heart's been being restored from a ruinous place. You've decided that the things of this world are really growing strangely dim in the light of the glory and grace of God. And that you want Him more than you want your next breath. You've come up from a place of reformation into a place of restoration. And you're done with the ruinous of this life. That has anything other than an attention towards Him. That's why you're actually in this room right now. And there's many of our brothers and sisters that are feeling this draw. The Lord's bringing us up out, bringing the church out of exile right now. And I said, God, I, he said, I want my people to have a word because I want them to see that, yes, while they're finding a place with me, they're going to find a dwelling place with me. And ultimately, there's going to be a resting place. AI's over, folks. No more adulterated and idolatrous hearts. No more trying to get your beauty and affection from your own image or your own likeness. No more, no more of that. The, ruin, the ruins of AI have shown us all that is worthless and it, it's not worth it that he is. And yet we need a context because, and I, and I especially is like, I need a context. He's like, I'm going to raise up the fallen booth in this last hour and I'm going to bring my people into a place of dwelling with me. Hey, every day, listen, every day in your homes, here, when you get in your car and you leave here, at night in your beds, every moment of every hour, He's with you. Uninterrupted communion with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, uninterrupted. Yeah, but I've been getting interrupted. Okay, turn your eyes back towards Him. I keep getting interrupted. Turn your eyes back towards Him. I keep forgetting. What does this psalmist say? Something about take my right hand or my something if I forget Jerusalem? Like if I'm going to forget you, Lord, take the thing away from me that causes me to forget. Because I want you. 
I, I've heard this in y'all's voices because you've said these kind of things to me. I don't care about that. I'm in the middle of doing that, but that's not where my heart is. I don't set my affection on that, 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 that anymore, man. I'll learn. That's not where my affection is. My affection's on him. You know what? You've been recovered from a place of ruins. But listen, in this hour, the Lord wants to take the broken places of a divided people that are divided all in this nation, divided all in the nations right now, and bring us together and make us a family. You're a royal family. You're a holy priesthood. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. Hey, the plowman's going to overtake the reaper. God will prosper his people and take care of you. And I want to mark this event horizon with this. Lord, we speak even right now that you would repair the broken places. I pray that this divide, this division has been in your family. I pray that you would heal the division, Lord. Heal the division of our brothers and sisters all throughout this land. Bring us back together, Lord. I pray for all the theological division and all the ecumenical division. It's supposed to be some kind of ecumenicism this falls. I pray, Lord, for every social economic divide. The things that have divided us based in gender, Lord. The things that have divided us based in our ethnicity. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will heal the broken places. And all of us, globally, Lord again to worship you as the rightful sovereign ruler and king. Start with it right now, Lord, as you've been dealing with these seven churches and overcoming in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for this first fruits people, Lord, this first fruits pioneering company that are marked by you right here, right now, in the end of this age, Lord. We pray that you would raise up the end time ministries, Lord that are dovetailing into the la- from the last day's ministries. Now raise up your end-time ministries all over the globe, Lord. Raise them up that are burned for love. We'll not let go, Lord. We'll hold the line for you. No more divided heart, but a Davidic people, a Davidic company, a heart like David. Yea, a heart like you, Lord, the great son of David, our king. Install that heart in us, Lord. You, the faithful witness, you're the faithful witness. Well, let's come together. We'll have communion together.
this and I thought it's so apropos for here. But he wrote, God will raise up from the ashes. I mean, they wrote this. I didn't write it. And I, it just kind of hit me right here where we're at. Asheville, North Carolina. And he would raise up from the ashes of destruction the new David, even Christ, the Messiah. says and then he'll build it I love this because the emphasis really has to be on Jesus the emphasis has to be on him because it's going to take him to build whatever he does Psalms 127 unless the Lord builds a house they labor in vain that build it Jesus is in the middle of building and restoring, even by the power of his Holy Spirit, a fallen booth that's been inside of every one of us. So that he can raise up, and what would be raised up unto him by the Holy Spirit would be a Davidic dynasty, a Davidic monarchy that belongs to the king. That in this hour, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the earth. Matthew 24, 14. And then the end will come. Start with us, Lord. Start with all your end time ministries. Let today mark and all mark it. I say it's from the Lord. An event horizon. As we behold your beauty. The Lord took the bread. He broke it and he said, this is my body. She's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I believe that night, Lord, when you were right there at the at your table and you were delivering union, your common union with your, your brothers, your sons, that you knew right there you were at the point of no return. You're going all the way. And nothing was going to back off with you, that you would go all the way to the cross, and you would do it for us, Lord, that you would restore us back to you, Lord, that you have this vibrant life inside of you and you would say I'll do everything for, for the father and for this greater family that you will give me and you took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant behold I'll make all things new Which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.